Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Eureka, the show that gets under the skin of science in a good way, as we invite a new expert every week to help us answer one of science's most interesting questions, as decided by us. Isaac Asimov once said, the most exciting phrase in science is not Eureka, but that's funny. And respectfully, Isaac, we think you can have a bit of both. I'm Rick Edwards. This is my uh, manservant. Are we going to do this every week? I think so, yeah. I'm Dr. Michael Brooks, the brains of the operation. <laughs> I think actually manservant's all right. Uh, I don't like it. Just my man? Mm. My boo? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> this is my boo. I'm Dr. Michael Brooks. So what inspired the show today? It's sort of a pet gripe of mine, and I think possibly yours as well, which is that people don't really mind openly stating that they are bad at maths. Oh, yes. Almost like wearing it as a badge of honour. Yeah. In fairness, I don't have any stats to back this up. Or I didn't <laughs> before I went away now. Stats are overrated, aren't they? Anecdotes are much a- better. Anecdotally, I just felt like people would be quite ashamed to say, oh, I'm not very good with words. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. illiterate. Yeah. Whereas with numbers... People are just quite sort of happy to say, oh, no, I can't do no, it's no good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm no, I can give you a good example. So I, I remember there was an episode of the Bake Off, Celebrity Bake Off, where Philippa Perry has to divide a rectangular cake into 12. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, oh, I don't know. I mean, I sh- probably should do it something with a ruler here, but that would be maths and I just can't do it. And I'm like, come on, mm. really? But you sort of imagine the equivalent with language. And she's not saying it. No, of course not. And she'd be mortified she'd if anybody be, accused her of not yeah. being able to do something that basic in, in language. Yeah, and she'd be pilloried for it. Yes, yeah. So I was wondering about numeracy right. in general and whether it is important to be good at maths slash numeracy and actually what the difference is, I guess. Okay. Like, is it? In, do you need to be good at maths? Good question. Because I, I, I mean, I, I know I value it. I know you value <laughs> and, it. And are you good at maths, Rick? Oh, well, listen, <laughs> it's not really for me to say, uh, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I remember you, you said that you went to university to do maths, didn't you? You went to Cambridge to do maths and decided that maybe that level wasn't for you. Is that right? That, that is 100% correct. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, I had a similar kind of experience. I was good at maths all the way through school, could do it and everything. And then I did get to, like, when I was an undergraduate doing physics... There was a maths course, and that was like my breaking point. It was just like, oh, this is this is 
difficult. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. And I did sort of stop at that point. So, I mean, everyone reaches their level, I guess, but there are basics, presumably, that you need to have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any um, there's any great need for people to have degree level mathematics. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> some people, not. some people, of course. Yeah, yeah. But not everyone. But I do think, and this is just a suspicion at this stage, that everyone should have a basic handle on numeracy. I think it will improve their their lives. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're that's what we're doing. Worth looking into. So whilst Michael and I love maths, I'm aware that many people will be sitting and listening to this thinking. Well, I dislike maths. But can you imagine a world without it? Without the logic of shape, quantity and arrangement? Our ancestors certainly couldn't. Maths has been a part of human activity from as far back as written records exist. Plus or minus the square root of B square minus... Or minus... I know this will come out right in a minute... The laws of nature are written in the language of mathematics. That's Galileo. It's what has allowed us to build the wonders of the world from Egypt to Babylon. To trade and connect villages and continents, and ultimately, it's allowed us to communicate. Yet despite centuries of human reasoning with mathematics, we all know someone who is terrible at it. Ten. No, that's two times five, sorry. Um... Plenty of people who are highly intelligent and successful in all other areas often find themselves stumped by simple multiplication. So what's the hold-up? Can people be biologically hardwired to fail when they attempt geometry or algebra? Can some people just not do maths? And ultimately, where does this leave them in society? That is our question today. Does it matter if you can't do maths? So do you think that some people are hardwired for maths and some aren't? I think it's a tricky one. I would say probably no. And again, I'm going on a purely anecdotal basis here. So I think that I know why I ended up being good at maths and I don't think it was anything to do with genetics or the sort of structure of my brain from birth. For me, what happened is my mum and dad, for whatever reason, decided to just teach me how to do sort of basic sums quite early. So uh, I'm sure I've told you this before, like my mum used to fire multiplications at me and my dad and we'd race to do them from when no, I was from when no, I was you really, haven't ever told yeah, me yeah. that. So I do that. Wow, everything so suddenly quite, becomes yeah, no, clear. It, you know, it does, doesn't <laughs> that it? That competitive yeah. edge, that, yeah. like that was yeah. fired up from Competing a very early age. at maths. It's like, it's wow. me to a T. But what that meant was that when I went to school, I was slightly better at maths than the other kids yeah, already. Yeah. And then that just became a kind of self-perpetuating thing then because I was, I was ahead and I was slightly better. I enjoyed it more. And it just sort of, it became a narrative that I told myself. So effectively, I yeah. just went in and, and I just had the attitude, oh yeah, this is a thing that I'm good at. Yeah, that, yeah, no, I can see what, that. That's what kind of led to me pursuing maths. And I you think. would have been particularly pleased that other people weren't as good. Exactly right, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't. Uh, but I think that's so it sort ticked of all your chance. boxes, basically, didn't it? Yeah. Like, I'm good at it, and other people are failing. This yeah. is perfect for yeah. me. Yeah. 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 So that's a that's a sample size of one, <laughs> and I think that that you know provides a small amount of evidence that it's not necessarily to do with hard wiring. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got nothing really in terms of you know understanding whether it's wiring or just you know kind of the nurture side of it i don't ever remember finding maths difficult in terms of you know adding subtracting multiplying it always seemed fairly obvious to me and when you got to things like you know simultaneous equations or, or algebra it actually all just seemed quite sort of just like oh you do this then you do that then you do that and mm -hmm. it, you know so i don't have any empathy i suppose for people who can't do it who struggled with it but you know i'm in the minority and you and i are, are in the minority on this definitely yeah i think so uh, do you have other sort of capable mathematicians in your family my brother's a maths teacher oh interesting yeah my older brother so he did uh, maths education at university so uh -huh. he's and he's very much of the kind of you know just learn how to do it practice it practice it you know do it again and you'll be fine you'll pass the exam but then you know passing the exam is not the same as living your life is it no, and I think that's something we'll get into today, actually, that the idea of the difference between maths and numeracy and why maths is, I suppose maths is useful to certain people, but numeracy is useful to everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm assuming we're not just going on anecdotes. Uh, you've got an expert for us? Yes, yes, I have. Yeah, this week we've got uh, Lynn McClure. OBE. OBE. She's a, a British mathematics educator. Uh, so in, in 2014, she was appointed as Director of Cambridge Mathematics. That's a, a programme at Cambridge that spans the, the university's mathematics and education faculties, uh, Cambridge Assessment and the Cambridge University Press, and is aimed at developing a kind of a flexible tool to inform new mathematics curricula for primary and secondary mathematics education. Because she thinks that we're not getting it quite right at the moment. Okay. And she's earned herself an OBE for this. Got herself an OBE. Officer of the Order of the British Empire. Nice. Uh, very recent, in the 2022 New Year's Honours. My father-in-law's got one of those as well. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. What for? I'm not really sure. Putting so up with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so to uh, kick things off, we asked Lynn, what does it even mean to be good at maths? So being good at maths, what does that mean? I suppose for some people it would mean being able to calculate efficiently and quickly, but actually that's not at the root of maths. Being good at maths, being able to do probably quite simple calculations, but know, knowing when to use those calculations, being able to solve problems with mathematics, that's what it means to be good at maths. So for example, you might be able to do long multiplication, so you might be able to multiply 37 by 17. And you can do that on a piece of paper. Some people might be able to do it in their heads. But what's the point of being able to do that if you don't recognise the situation when you need to multiply 37 by 17? So it's fine to be good at calculation, but unless you know when to use those calculations and you can see which calculations you need for what problems, then really you're a good calculator, but you're not a good mathematician. Yeah, I think that's a good distinction between being a good calculator and a good good mathematician because it is fundamentally useless if you can't see the application of it. Yeah, you can't no, see absolutely. When, when, to, when those numbers are appropriate or how they relate to the real world. I'm not a great mental maths person. I'm not really, I, you know, I have to, I can do all that stuff in my head, but it takes me a long time to do it. I think you're much better at it than I am, aren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
God, it um, hurts so much to say that. <laughs> but then I was practising it for a young age. And actually, it's much... Um, I mean, it's made you who you are no, today. It, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's nowhere near as... I, I used to be genuinely, like, you know, quite really quick on it. Yeah. And now it's, um, yeah, it's rusted up a bit. But I do think if I practised, I could probably get quite quick again. But I, I feel like the, the thing that we're looking for is that you want to be competent and confident in using numbers in your life and, and data in your life that just allow you to make better decisions. Yeah, that's, yeah, no. That, that's what it's about. Yeah, exactly. So maths, uh, maths as, far, as far I understand, it was never about just like, you know, oh, look at me, I can do sums. It was about, you know, applications in the real world, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what it has to be. So you know how I was saying that I feel like people are enumerate, people are quite proud of being enumerate, People have looked into this. So there was a national uh, numeracy survey, and I think they, they surveyed maybe 2,000 adults and, and got them to answer five questions, all of which have kind of sort of real-world applications, but are, are number-based. And half of the adults who did it had a numeracy about the level that you would expect or want of a primary school child. Wow, Okay. So that's getting it's not too, great, is it? Not great. Two two out of five, which is pr- pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. And they went on to to kind of try and calculate how much that would cost the, the economy, or how much it is costing the economy. Yeah. And they came up with this number of three hundred eighty eight million pounds a week. A week. A week. So you're looking at well, you can probably uh, do a quick no, I can't be head, bothered. But about twenty billion. <laughs> a year to right. the economy yeah and to put that in and, and i don't know those, those kind of figures they don't really mean anything we kind of go to what does 20 yeah, million off yeah. the economy mean but they looked at what it means to an individual and they reckon it's about it could be like 460 pounds a year that it's costing you okay by, by not being competent yeah. in numbers by not being uh, fully fully numerate yeah okay and that's probably people who actually you know who would really kind of be on, on the sort of pay scales where that yeah, that does make a difference, isn't it? Can... Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, they also, I can't remember if this is the same survey or a different survey, but they looked at attitudes of people to maths. So kind of the thing about, you know, are people proud of not being very good with numbers? And so they asked attitudes towards uh, numeracy and, and literacy and then, and then kind of compared them. So 58% of people said they would be embarrassed to admit that they were bad at reading or, or writing. And uh, only 47% said that they'd be embarrassed to admit that they were bad at numbers. I was surprised at that. They're both that's really quite, low. They're uh, both quite, quite low yeah. and actually quite similar. The article described it as far fewer. And I was like, I think that's not right. Like, particularly on not a massive sample size. Yeah. To yeah. say that there's a, there's a huge difference between 58% and 47%. But I do I remember don't... reading a statistic where parents were asked, oh, I won't remember the numbers now, parents were asked, like, how pleased would you be if your child I've, was... Have I've you, got the numbers. Have you, have you got, got the numbers? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's how, how proud would you be if your child was uh, really good with with words, re- had really good literacy. Yeah. Um, and 50% of parents were like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The same thing for numeracy. How how pleased would you be? Would you be very proud if your child was good with numbers? Twenty one percent. That's terrible. So people That's just terrible. aren't attaching. And that, the same that tells value. you, yeah, exactly. That tells you what people value, doesn't it? Yeah. And they don't really value numeracy. And if you don't value it, then that you are going to like subconsciously or consciously pass that on to your kids, and that yeah. is going to have an effect on them for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're helping them with homework, and then like, oh, it doesn't really matter anyway. 
But how important is maths in the average person's daily life? We asked Lynn exactly that. I think maths is really important in our daily lives. Lots of people use bits of maths without realising that they do, all sorts of estimating, etc. But in order to be confident and competent in just living, you need to have at least a basic level of mathematical understanding. And if you don't, then your life chances are severely affected by it. Lots of research to show that you might think that being literate, i.e. being able to read and write, was the most important skill to have. But if you look at your life chances, actually being numerate is more important even than being literate. If people go shopping and they see 20% off or 10% off, it would be good if they could have an approximate idea of what that actually meant. And also not be bamboozled by three for the price of something or 10% off, and which is the better of those two. Um, it's quite good to be able to do a sort of back of the envelope or quick mental calculation so that you're not ripped off. You can either buy things by the kilogram or you can buy them individually. And it's very difficult to work out what's the best thing to do. So being decent at maths can stop me getting ripped off? Yeah, I think so. Because you just want to, when you go into a shop, for example, you want to be confident that you can perform some basic calculations or, or even actually guesstimates are really handy. Yeah, um, yeah. To, to figure out what the best value is and whether a deal that is kind of presenting itself as being better actually is. And without those basic number skills, it's quite hard to do. And you can get into real difficulties, I think, because sometimes like shops are not helping you out. Like price per unit is great. Yeah. Because price per unit really spoon feeds you the information. Except when it doesn't, when they when they don't compare like for like. So quite often you'll see, you know, like um mayonnaise. So one is in grams and one is in milliliters. Oh so yeah, I mean, you yeah. Get a price per unit classic, of that. How, how we, I mean, I wouldn't know how to compare that. Yeah, even you is that what you're saying? Even no, I, even no, I wouldn't how, know how to no, compare. But how that. would you? How would you? Like I don't. Think no, I know. you can't. Can you? No, no, no. I mean, if it's water, you're all right, obviously. Uh, <laughs> famously, famously, is not water. Um, and and also stuff like comparing the price of a pint of milk with a liter of milk. Yeah, yeah. Or using like weights of this. This is a real sort of bugbear of mine. I think when they use weights that just aren't easy to calculate with. So instead of it being 250 grams of cheese, it's 225 grams of yeah, cheese. Yeah, yeah. So doing any kind of calculation with it is yeah. just trickier. You must be fuming when you go around the supermarket. Absolutely livid. Or actually, here's a good one. Especially um, when you're comparing mayonnaise again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> one of my favourite things to do. I hate to get ripped off from my Hellman's. <laughs> Rick Edwards in aisle five again. He's kicking off. <laughs> he's got a he's got a pair of scales and he's measuring out small quantities of mayonnaise. <laughs> do you find you have to go shopping by yourself these days? Right? Yeah, Eva's <laughs> really not very keen. Yeah. Um, the other thing I thought about is this <laughs> is slightly geeky. You'll be surprised. <laughs> no way. But if you're buying nuts for a recipe the pre-shelled nuts are more expensive because they've been shelled yeah. but there's also quite a lot of weight in the shelled nuts that you're not going to use i can't believe how niche this is no, 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 but, you know, but i'm just i'm just giving examples where okay it's tricky to work out whether you're getting ripped off or not like should yeah. i buy these ostensibly cheaper heavier nuts with shells how do you yeah. say that shelled shell amazingly shelled oh. means both Shells can either mean nuts that don't have shells or nuts that do have shells. 
producer's hair is just coming yes. out in, in fistfuls now. Curious. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Solving the problems of the people, aren't you, Rick Edwards? Which is it's a curious linguistic thing, isn't it? <laughs> that shells can mean both. They're very unhelpful. My point is that there are there are some traps to fall into yeah, when yeah. you're going shopping. Uh, and if you haven't got your wits about you, you're going to struggle. Great consumer advice. Thank you very much. Just call me Martin Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just like in shops, is it? It's things like a mortgage or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Or, or if you're trying to, you know, draw up a kind of household budget or, you know, your, your ingoings and outgoings and some of them maybe go out quarterly and not monthly and so you've kind of got to you've got to do a bit of maths to, yeah. to, to figure it all out or you know understanding the interest rate that your your credit card is is charging you god and, yeah and that matters doesn't compare it compare that it really does yeah and fundamentally the uk is not it's it's numeracy is not very impressive at all so the uk was the worst performing of 17 uh oecd countries weirdly i think there's like 40 of those countries but of the 17 that were, were examined, the, the UK was the worst performing in numeracy and sort of knowledge. Wow. Um, in, That's not with, great, is it? Within like financial literacy. Yeah. No, it's really bad. It's really bad. Uh, a fifth of adults have, have forgotten how to do sort of simple calculations, so fractions, percentages. 30% of adults have forgotten how to calculate any averages. Oh, so no. mean, median or yeah. mode. I think it's fairly legit to forget about median or mode. Well, but yeah, yeah. I yeah, think, yeah. And, and mean is like mean is what we, I think, most people tend to think of when you think of average. But thirty yeah. percent of people have forgotten how to do that anyway. Yeah, I was in a pub the other day with a friend, and uh, he said something like, "Oh, you know, I think we reduced the median age there quite substantially." <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was just really surprised that he said median. It's like, why would you go for the median? Like, why, why didn't you go for the mean? But there you go. I, well, I mean, I, he's lining up, you know, lining up the people, I guess. And, yeah, I, I guess he is, yeah. I mean, <laughs> an odd thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. <laughs> yeah, people very rarely talk about the mode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, also, here's something that genuinely upset me. Between 2003 and 2011, literacy levels in the UK improved in adults so that literacy went up from sort of by I can't remember what the what the criteria is but whatever they're measuring it by 44% of adults hit this level right. in 2003 and that went up to 57% in 2011 in the same time period by the same measure numeracy went down from 26% to 22% oh because there was a real you kind of remember this and you kind of know it instinctively that there has been a genuine drive to try and improve literacy particularly amongst amongst adults and it's been reasonably successful. And the same thing hasn't really happened with numeracy. Right. I mean, that, it definitely should, shouldn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's Lynn's whole that's Lynn's whole thing, really. So all of this got me wondering whether some people, despite kind of knowing that numeracy is useful and giving it their best shot, just don't have, as we were talking about right at the start, just don't have a brain for maths. Well, I think there are definitely differences in, in, in um, brains. And there's a difference between the way that women use their brain when they're doing maths and men when they're doing maths, for example. If you give the same problem to a man and to a woman, you'll find that in a male brain, the problem is solved in a very definite area of the brain. 
and actually the cells around that area are inhibited so they sort of close down in order to maximize I suppose the energy that goes into that part of the brain. If you give the same question to a woman, this is an Australian piece of research, same question to a woman you'll find that actually not only does that part light up but other parts of the brain light up as well which only leads us to know that women are very good multitaskers I suppose. Ooh, well, right. This is pretty contentious. You don't say. (laughs) Yeah. And the history of sort of looking for gender differences in in brains isn't great because fundamentally there's been an absolute desperation on the part of male scientists (laughs) to uncover (laughs) evidence of differences. But when you look back over that history, and they've really thrown everything at it, like everyone has tried every possible way of measuring differences. And a lot of it is uh, ironically sort of quite innumerate, like there's weak statistical power. So people sort of claiming that they found stuff when actually the, the evidence isn't really there, yeah. um, not, not good enough controls, uh, misinterpretation of the data, just a load of it is just rubbish. But it's quite grabby, so it gets reported by the yeah, press quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. And it's just been sort of, I guess, like vigorously pursued across the ages. And in spite of that, no, when, when you look back at the stuff and you look at current research, there has been no conclusive findings. So no decisive sort of category-defining differences have been found. You can see that uh, there are differences as brain size increases with body size. And... You can see that sometimes male brains are slightly bigger, but if you were to compare like a small-headed man with a large-headed woman, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Mm. Crucially, when you look at the brain of a child or like a a, a baby, no difference. And what um, Gina Rippon, who who we... Do you remember we met years ago at some science dinner? I, I was sat next to her and she was writing this book which I think is called The Gendered Brain, where her whole thing is just trying to explode the myth Uh, of differences between male and female brains. Um, You weren't paying attention. I find it fascinating. Clearly not. So she's done done loads of research into this, and she basically says it's a load of old rubbish. Right. And, And she thinks that what is happening is that if you live in a gendered world, which we do, that produces gendered brains. So So that's what I was going to say. It's about the environment. It's about how you learn maths, isn't it? And the the expectations on you when you're learning maths, I bet. Exactly that. Exactly that. And so because boys and girls are just brought up in different ways with different expectations, that is what is accounting for any differences that you do see. So there's nothing sort of innate or intrinsic about any differences. It's all to do with with, with the upbringing. Wow. Which is a really sobering thought. Yeah, yeah. We'll take a break now, but after this, we'll be back to talk a little bit more about the effect of gender on the brain and to discuss whether stereotypes about mathematicians stop people from wanting to engage with maths. As always, we'll be asking our expert, Lynn McClure, OBE, to answer today's question, does it matter if you can't do maths? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So you can make a pretty good argument that actually the brain is no more gendered initially than the, your liver or your kidneys or your yeah. or your heart but then the phrase that uh, gina ripon uses is that you live in a kind of biosocial straight jacket which i really like wow that means that you you kind of divert the what is a unisex brain down one culturally gendered pathway or another yeah absolutely i can see that yeah, yeah. it really it really makes sense and you get these um, differences don't you in in you know maths anxiety where people just have this sort of you know weird irrational reaction to being mm. set a math problem to do and it's it's much more prevalent in girls than in boys and it's and actually a lot of the time the girls are better at the maths yeah. than the boys but they worry about it more and that's almost certainly to do with the environment in which they've been learning and, and sort of you know the the hidden messages they've basically received that girls aren't really really good at numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and experience, one we know, due to sort of neuroplasticity, that experience alters your brain structure and functioning. Yeah. So it sort of becomes like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So yeah. I saw someone said that effectively it's not that boys are better than girls at maths. It's just that they, they think they're better. Yeah. It's yeah. that simple. Yeah. And yeah. then eventually you, you keep on down that path and it sort of becomes true. Well, my, my niece, actually, another anecdote, she's, what, 11 now? And she is in a like complete bind about maths. She thinks she's terrible at it. She hates the idea of doing it. She gets herself really wound up before they do any tests. And then um, the last time they did a test, she was top of the class, you know, best score, and still told herself, oh, well, you know, it wasn't proper exam conditions. You know, when it comes to an exam, I'll do really badly. And it's just, you know, it's nothing to do with how good she is. It's just a sort of mindset thing that she's got mm. into. They've done some um, quite interesting studies in the US, actually, on girls and boys' attainment through the stages of education. And they pretty much perform exactly the same in fourth grade and eighth grade, girls and boys. Yeah. And, and girls actually outperform boys in, in technology and engineering in the eighth grade. But then slowly, then they start to diverge and fewer and fewer girls, actually, as we know, go into STEM subjects. Yeah, yeah. And it seems to all be cultural. Yeah. And there is, like, when you do see a gendered maths gap in elementary school, it tends to just be rich white families' sons. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's so distasteful. I know, I know, but also not surprising. Yeah, no. And again, they're, they're just more likely to reinforce this belief that the son is more capable or more interested in maths and science, more like to invest time and whatever in, into them doing it. And so creating this this pathway for a son that they wouldn't... And yeah, to be clear, almost certainly not consciously. 
but this is what is this is what seems yeah. to be. But this is why we've got happening. to talk about it, isn't it? Because y- yeah, you've yeah, got yeah, to make yeah. sure you're not doing that, people. Yeah, you really have. Don't just think about it. Just like, yeah. am I am I accidentally and it's no one's fault, am I accidentally doing this? Yeah. There's also I mean you can imagine that in in the states and probably here as well there's some racial stuff going on as well. So if you look at in elementary school again in in the states girls of color will score higher than boys from low income low income groups. Right. And that that's sort of across the board, but then if you compare how they're doing to the rich white boys much worse. Than yeah. Yeah. I mean um, it's complicated, but you know the the bottom line is that I don't think that people are naturally wired for one or the other. No. You know, in, in my experience, but you know, it's no, I mean, not that I'm an expert on it, but it, you know, that's not how the brain is, is it? No, seemingly not. It's, it's, fundamentally, there is no cognitive biological differences between men and women in in maths. That's the sort of bottom and line. And also, not between people generally. I mean, nobody's wired for maths, or well, I think not. I think not what, at birth. I mean, very yes, quickly it, it, you it, become it, wired for it, maths it, if you're it, in the right environment. Exactly, exactly that. So yes, you would be able to see a difference between brains absolutely by the time you reach adulthood yeah but that is not uh there's there's you're not fated to end up that yeah. way yeah it's it's all about your your upbringing but it's even stuff like and, and i'm sure again that this is not a deliberate thing but teachers they just underestimate girls mass abilities and so they lower expectations and then i mean what do you expect well very little yeah yeah same as the teachers unfortunately yeah Sort of things that are really influencing how people's mathematical ability kind of develops are your family environment, your interaction with your peers, your sort of early experiences, the cultural context, and then like educational policy, either explicit or implicit. So there's a whole load of factors going into it, but it's definitely untrue to say that you can be born bad at maths or yeah. like maths isn't for you. Yeah. I would say. But people get put off maths, don't they? And yeah. and they consider themselves not a maths person. Mm-hmm. And some people mm-hmm. sort of create their whole identity around maths. Yes. And that's, I mean, that's why I wrote that question that I wanted Lynn to answer. As a society, we, we sort of consider maths geeky, something for the, mm-hmm. you know, the geeks, the nerds to get excited about. And, and I wanted to know whether she worried that this makes other people feel like the, the non-geeks, like maths just isn't for them. I think it's a bit the other way round, actually. I think geeks are the ones who are quite often disenfranchised because people think they're very odd. And one of the wonderful things about places like the new math schools, for example, is that these are going to be places, or these are places, where people who, teenagers who are absolutely fanatical about their mathematics can come together and do mathematics and not feel that they have to hide it. You know, if you say you really like maths, I used to make a joke when I was talking to teachers that if you were in a bar and talking to people and um, people asked you what you did and you said that you were a mathematician, they'd go away to buy you a drink and then they wouldn't come back because because why would they? They hadn't got anything to talk about with you. But actually, mathematicians are really interesting people for a start. There are definitely people who are super mathematicians whose mind think in ways that are probably unimaginable to, to some of us but I think it's a bit of a cop-out to say maths is not for them I mean everybody needs maths 
everybody should be able to do maths. So saying it's not for them, it's like being a silly person saying I can't change a light bulb or whatever. It's, it's an admission of being not really interested in life, I think. <laughs> I think saying maths is not for you is, um, yeah, it's a cop-on. Lynn's on our side, isn't she? I think, yeah, I think she is. But I guess, I guess you've got to be careful about how you couch it because you want to get people on side. Yeah. And not say, well, you're in the wrong here, <laughs> um, which is the temptation. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why people feel that maths is not for them. Mm. So, you know, it's experience at school, maybe low expectations, mm. as we were mm-hmm. talking about before. Mm-hmm. You know, the, there are reasons and, and you've got to find ways for people to be able to come back to maths, haven't you, really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, to be honest, when I went to university to do maths, I had the experience of, oh my god, I don't fit in with these people. Yeah, um, because they were, uh, they were, you know, unusual. I'm happy to say well, that. You mean you didn't fit in with them, sort of socially? And, yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're okay. Quite an unusual group, and uh, and you had to. I'm sure I've told you this before, but you had to like, you only had to do like seven problems a week. That was it. Yeah, and I was like, this is going to be a piece of. Piss. Seven <laughs> questions, <laughs> not an issue. Um, and they were they were like, oh, you need to work in groups because otherwise you'll never get them done. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, all right. And then I tried it, and I was like, fuck, <laughs> really difficult. Um, and they and they the, the other people doing maths were all working in their little groups, and I couldn't. Um, but they were you really an outsider? Want, yeah, a hundred percent. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. How had they formed their groups and excluded you so quickly? It was very obvious. We were quite. I was quite unlike. Them, like I, I was, yeah, I, I stood out, like I was not. What as the cool kid? I, that was definitely not how it felt. <laughs> uh, no, I, like if I just felt like I was the, I was the oddball. Really? Um, yeah, uh, it was actually quite a traumatic experience. <laughs> <laughs> and so you just gave it up and ran away. Well, I did. I did a year of it, and then I was like, oh, I didn't know you did a yeah, whole year. I did a year. Yeah. Did a year. Yeah, and didn't do particularly well in the exams at the at the end of the year, and I'd found it re- genuinely really difficult, and wasn't enjoying it, and was excluded uh, <laughs> from the. Uh, yeah, if so, any of those guys are listening, yeah. <laughs> get in yeah, touch yeah. with the show. Yeah, pick up yourselves. Imagine you're working in the city. Well done. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, actually, no, I reckon they're all, uh, they're all coding. So here's an interesting, quite recent study that I saw. So uh, at the University of Oxford, they looked at students who gave up maths at 16 versus students who carried on doing maths until they were 18 and and beyond, I think. Uh, And they found that that the kids who gave up early had less of a certain neurotransmitter, so a chemical, in in their brain that is really important in terms of brain plasticity, so key for your cognitive development. Wow. To such an extent that if you just gave them the the information on the levels concentrations of this chemical in the brains they could say okay that person stopped maths at 16 this person's still doing it that person wow. stopped at 16 and it's interesting because of course the uk is quite unusual in that we let people give up maths at 16 yeah most countries you have to carry on doing it to your 80 yeah and it's sort of it's one of those things we don't really have an answer like it doesn't it's not good because yeah, lots of people aren't going to be massively enthused by the idea of having to do maths for longer. No, especially when it's maths that they don't necessarily, well, they won't use it except to train their brains, I guess. That's the thing. Yeah, that, that's. I guess that was the, it was almost, I felt like I, I was quite happy and then also sad when I found that because I was looking for a reason 
that are almost like an answer to, but when am I ever going to use this? What is the practical use? And you can say, actually, it's genuinely good for the development of your brain. Yeah. And your ability to then think and adapt to other problems. Yeah, and, yeah, and you yeah. kind of take that training with you, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So maths is good for your brain. Yeah. Official. Um, but I wonder if there's um, – you want to try and get rid of that disparity, obviously. Uh, you don't necessarily want to do it through – making mass compulsory until everyone's 18 but maybe there is another way maybe you can do sort of logic classes or you know there's other avenues that you can kind of yeah. produce the same result which is having you know higher levels of this neuro yeah or, or, or alter the curriculum so that people aren't so put off by maths. yes i mean it becomes yeah. a really hard thing to do after you know about 12 or 13 it's like mm. you know you don't see the point of why you're doing it and at the same time it's hard and mm. You know, and some people just switch naturally off. They just like, oh, yeah. this isn't for me. I'm, you know, I'm sort of done with this. Yeah. I'll just scrape through my GCSE, and then I'm done with maths. And I can just walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, I guess practical application is always useful, isn't it? Yeah, people kind of get that. It's just easier to get your head around. Um, so, the question, very interesting question that we've been asking is, does it matter if you can't do maths? So over to Lynn again. Yes, it really does matter if you can't do maths. Maths is really, really important for your life chances. It's important for pretty well every job you're ever going to do. It's very, very important for the future of our economy because mathematics actually leads the way for so much of the research that we need to do. We need really good mathematicians, but we also need a population who are numerate. So yes, it really does matter if you can't do maths. I had a feeling Lynn was going to come down on the side <laughs> yeah. of yes. <laughs> I mean, I wonder if anyone listening ever thought that we would say anything else. <laughs> uh, but it is a pretty, yeah, it's a clear yes, isn't it? It's a clear yes. I mean, I don't love the, you know, it's good for the economy argument because, you know, I, I, I'm not really a big fan of like, oh, you were, must all do this because it's good for the economy. But if your personal circumstances uh, that, are improved by it, then that's fantastic. And, and that is what the research says. Yeah. So you can extrapolate up to the wider economy. I think I agree with you. It's more useful to kind of drill right down and yeah. say, on an individual basis, your life outcomes will be not massively, but improved. Yeah, extra few hundred quid in your pocket yeah. every year. Um, and, and even, I mean, they've linked it to, you know, your your health and well-being as well. Yeah. I, I suspect that, I suspect that that doesn't quite stack up. If if I'm honest, like I think it's going to be, I think that's going to be quite a complicated uh, relationship, and I don't think it's going to be causal. Yeah, it's going to be. There's going to be a, a correlation. Yeah, but the, not the, a causation. Perhaps. I would. I would say it's there might be a correlation. I'd be amazed if there's a, <laughs> there's a causal link, frankly. But still, yeah, you could be slightly better off. Yeah, if you're more numerate, and you're not going to get ripped off. Yeah. And your brain will just be working better anyway. Yeah. So, you, I mean, that's for me a big thing. It's like you don't realise it, but all those maths lessons are actually training your brain just to analyse a problem and know mm -hmm, how to solve mm -hmm, it. Mm -hmm. And that could be, you know, anything. It could be in a technical trade. It could be, you know, in a computer coding environment. Or it could be literally, you know, wandering around the supermarket. Yeah. Like you in the mayonnaise aisle. Yeah. God, I love it in there. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Eureka is a stack production presented by me, Rick Edwards, and Dr. Michael Brooks. The production team is Andrea Lucia Peters, Luke Moore, and Charlie Morgan. Sound designed by Katie Baxter. Special thanks to today's expert, Lynn McClure, OBE. If you like the show, please do subscribe and rate wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a massive difference. And you can also find us on Twitter at EurekaPod. Thanks very much. Thank you.
Eureka is a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.